0: Jesus said, referring to Thomas, Jesus said unto him, unto Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You may be seated this morning, and I want to preach very quickly today, but I want to talk to you about this subject. I will come again. I will come again. And so let's go to the Lord and ask God to help us, and we're going to jump full-blown into this Bible study very quickly today. Father, we love you. What a service. Lord, if I would have missed this service, Lord, I would have, uh, I would have missed something. Lord, I'm thankful that you have ministered to me, Lord, through the fellowship, through the teaching of thy word, through the music, through the choir, through the specials. Father, you have reminded me through these things of how wonderful you are. And Lord, while the groups were singing today, my spirit was rejoicing The Holy Spirit was bearing witness. Lord, with these songs that were being sung today, God, I'm glad that he does that. He bears witness. Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts today. Lord, I don't know who's here, who's not here necessarily. I don't know who is saved and who is lost. I don't know who's ready and who's not ready. But I know that you know. And I do know that there's a reason that I'm preaching this message on this uh, August, I think, August the 14th. I believe that's right. And so, Lord, I know that you have a perfect plan and a perfect purpose. Direct our attention to thy word, please. And I pray that you would glorify your son. And I pray that you would save the lost. And Father, I pray that you would edify the saints. In a great way today. We love you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. In John chapter 14, the Lord Jesus is giving us truth concerning his coming again to the earth. According to George Gallup, the belief that Jesus Christ will return to earth someday is held by 62% of all Americans believe that Christ is coming again. References to the second coming outnumber references to the first coming by a factor of eight to one. In other words, the Lord Jesus spoke of his second coming and the word of God speaks of of the second coming of Christ eight times to every one time that it talks about the first coming of the Lord. Scholars have identified at least 1,845 different biblical references to the second coming of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, Christ's return is emphasized in no less than 17 books of the Old Testament. And people f- sometimes say, innocently, I'm sure, but sometimes they say that we no longer need the Old Testament, but only the New Testament. But the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. And even though it is the Old Testament, the Old Testament uh, speaks of the second coming of Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, listen to this, in the New Testament, authors speak of the second coming of Christ in 23 of the 27 books that make up your New Testament. The New Testament mentions his return in seven out of every 10 chapters in the New Testament, the the second coming of Christ is mentioned. In other words, one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament proclaims that Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth. And if you go and study this out, you'll find that the Lord Jesus Christ referred to his second coming 21 different times in scripture. Now i want to talk to you about that coming. Jesus said, I will come again. Now this is what I believe. And I know I have some folks that believe this with me, but this is what I believe. I wanna give you this from the word of God today. I believe the coming of Christ will be twofold. I believe the coming of Christ will happen in two different stages. And I want to give you a few things to just chew on, a few things to think about today. First of all, the first stage will be what is known as the rapture of the church, the rapture of the church. Uh, the word rapture is not a, not a word that you'll find in your Bible. If you go back to the glossary and you look up the word rapture in your Bible, you're not going to find the word rapture. Uh, you won't find the word, but you will find the word teaching. And the word rapture simply means to be called away. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Notice the phrase there, caught up. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now it hasn't been too, too long since I taught on this. But the the phrase there, caught up, is the Greek word harpazo. And we know that our Old Testament was translated from Hebrew and Aramaic. And we know that our New Testament is translated from what we would call Koine Greek or common Greek. And so if you really want to find out the root root meaning of that word, well, sometimes you can go back and look it up in the Greek, which I did. And it's the Greek word harpazo. We get a word from that. It's the word harpoon. And the word harpazo simply means to snatch away. And so the, the, the rapture of the church will be a snatching away. It'll be the action of a harpoon that is fired out of a cannon. Some of you guys are deer hunters, bow hunters. Some of you fellas have crossbows. And you know what that's like to put that arrow on the string and you get that thing pulled back in its position, ready to fire, and you pull that trigger and that arrow is snatched away by that string. That's the idea of the rapture of the church. It is gonna be a snatching away. The Bible tells us the rapture will take place in the sky. The Bible tells us the rapture will be preempted by a shout. Now we believe we know what that shout is. I'm not going to go into that today. But you come see me after the service, we'll talk about that. The rapture will occur suddenly. And the rapture will position Christians for what's called the judgment seat of Christ. We believe this church, we believe that the rapture is the next event on God's prophetic calendar the next thing to happen will be the rapture of the church. And here's the thing, if you're not ready for the rapture, it will happen so suddenly that you won't have time to get ready for it. If you're here this morning and there's any reservation at all about your assurance of salvation and you say, Pastor, I've been going through the motions all these years, but I've never really trusted Christ as my personal Savior, or you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I don't know about heaven. I don't know that I'm going to heaven. I want to encourage you and I want to love on you today by saying this, that if the rapture of the church takes place today, although you're in a church, it will happen so suddenly you won't have time to get born again. You won't have time. You say, Pastor, I'll run to the altar. No, you won't. You say, Pastor, if I'm home and the rapture takes place, I'll call you. Don't call me, I'll be gone. You won't have time to reach for the phone. You won't have time to dial a number. You won't have time to crank your car. You won't have time to come to the church. You won't have time to call, uh, to call the prayer line. Why? Because the rapture of the church is going to happen so suddenly. And I know there are doubters and skeptics out there, but I want to tell you what, when it happens, they'll become believers. The rapture of the church is the next event on God's prophetic calendar but there's something else. And that that two stage process, number one, the rapture. Number two, the second stage will be what is known as the second advent or what we refer to as the second coming of Christ. Or some have referred to it as the future return of Christ in glory. Now, why am I preaching this? Well, several reasons. But one of the reasons that I'm preaching some of these things this morning is because there are some that would have you believe that the coming of the Lord is all one major event. That it's just all one event. That there's gonna be one coming. The Lord's gonna come and he's just gonna take everybody out and, and there's gonna be one universal judgment and it's gonna be a judgment where the saved are there and the lost are there and, uh, and we'll all stand before God. The saved and the lost will all stand before God and we'll be judged at the same time. But I want to give you today some reasons, six reasons at least, that these two events, the rapture and the second advent, are not one in the same. Why are they not the same? Let me me help you with that today. So number one, I wrote this down, in the rapture, and I've already referenced this, but in the rapture, Jesus comes in the air. We read that in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the what? To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So now follow me. Bible study time. In the rapture, Jesus comes in the air. But watch what I'm putting on the screen. In the second advent, Jesus comes to the earth. Now, You can turn there if you want. You may not be able to find it as fast as I'm going to read it, but it's in in the Old Testament prophet book, prophetical book called Zechariah. In Zechariah chapter 14, verses three and four, the prophet Zechariah spoke of the second coming of Christ. And this is what he said. In Zechariah 14, verses three and four, then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet, the Lord's feet, verse four, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And on the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. Now again, we find a, we find a, a difference here. When the rapture of the church, when the first stage of the coming of Christ takes place, it'll be called the rapture of the church. And in the rapture of the church, you and I will be snatched away. We'll be caught away and we will meet the Lord, not on the earth. We will meet the Lord in the air. We'll meet the Lord in the air. But when Jesus comes in the second advent, when Jesus comes in the second coming of Christ, make no mistake about it, the Lord Jesus Christ said this, when I come, I'm coming to the earth. And the Bible says that he is gonna plant his feet physically on the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says there's gonna be a a great separation of that Mount of Olives. So there's a difference here. In the rapture, Jesus comes in the air. In the second advent, Jesus comes to the earth. Number two, in the rapture, Jesus comes for his church. Watch what I'm gonna put on the screen. This is a blessing, by the way. In the second coming, Jesus comes with his church. And so in the rapture, the Lord's coming to get you. If you're here this morning and you're born again, I got great news. One of these days, we're leaving all this behind. All the trouble, all the cancer, all the skirmishes, all the grief, all the depression, all the discouragement, all the sin. One of these days, we're living it all behind all the inflation, all the politics. Hey, he will be prophet, priest, and king. And we're leaving all this behind. When Jesus comes in the rapture, uh, Jesus will come for his church. But in the second coming, Jesus comes with his church. Revelation nineteen eight says it like this. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And verse 14 says, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's you and me. And so one of these days, we're coming back with him to rule and reign, Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ will set up his kingdom on the earth for 1,000 years. He will rule and reign in what we call the millennial reign of Christ. And if you're a part of the church, you will rule and you will reign with him. And by the way, how you serve now will determine how you serve then. And so there's a difference. Are they the same? They're not the same. They're different. In the rapture, Jesus comes for his church. In the second coming, Jesus comes with his church. How about this, number three? In the rapture, Jesus comes before the tribulation. Let me read some scripture for you. 2 Thessalonians chapter two, verses seven and eight. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let or hinder until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. In the rapture of the church, Jesus comes before the tribulation, but in the second coming, Jesus comes after the tribulation. Now, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter number 24. Matthew 24, look at verse number 29. We have enough scripture to let us know what's going on here. These two events are not the same. And so, in the rapture of the church, Jesus comes before the tribulation takes place. Now, we preached on this the other night, uh, on uh, last Sunday night, I think, we were talking about we're a billboard for the Holy Spirit. And one of these days, there's coming a time when, when the rapture of the church takes place. The Bible, we read it a, a, a moment ago. The Bible says, only he who now letteth, or hinders, will hinder until he be taken out of the way. When the rapture of the church takes place, the Spirit of God is going to take all his billboards, which is you and me. He's taking us out of here. And then the Bible says the tribulation period is going to take place. Seven years of terrible tribulation like nothing the world has ever seen. The first three and a half, listen, the first three and a half will be so bad, at least a quarter of the world's population will perish. How many remember a couple, three, four years ago, we were doing the study on Revelation down here at the old church. Y'all remember that? And we were talking about the seals and the trumpet judgments. And I don't know how many remember this, but I I threw a slide up on the screens down there of people wearing masks. And I said, folks, there's coming a day when this will be commonplace. We had no idea that in two years that would come to pass. And that first three and a half years will be like nothing the world's ever seen. Some, some people say, well, we're already in the tribulation. Friend, there's no way we're in the tribulation. But the last three and a half years will be what the Bible labels as great tribulation, where literally the earth will be in self-destruct mode But I want you to understand in the second coming of Jesus, uh, Jesus comes after the tribulation. Matthew 24, look at verse 29. The Bible says in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Verse 30, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And so in the rapture, Jesus comes before the tribulation. In the second coming, Jesus comes after the tribulation. Let's go a step uh, further. Number four, in the rapture, in the rapture, Jesus delivers believers. He's gonna deliver you and I. Listen. Listen. If you want to do a study on the Antichrist, I'm not against that, but I would just say this. It might be more beneficial to our churches to do a study on the Christ instead of the Antichrist. Maybe we better figure out how to be more like Jesus than what the Antichrist's about. And one of the reasons is because when the Antichrist comes, thank God I'm gone. I'm not gonna be here, and neither are you. If you're a part of the church, if you're a, uh, if, if you're a Christian, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Verse 18 says it like this, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. In other words, tribulation is coming, but the Lord said, Comfort one another with the fact that you know that the rapture of the church is going to come. Now you're in your Bibles. I want you to take, take your Bibles and turn over to, to Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 10 with me. Revelation chapter 3. We know that those, we know that first chapter in Revelation deals with the glorified Christ. And then we know that Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3 deals predominantly with the church. And then in Revelation chapter four, verse one, we believe that's talking about the rapture. By the way, after that, after Revelation chapter four, you never find that word church mentioned again. Why? The church is taken out. But but wait a minute now. Look at Revelation three, verse 10. The Bible says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Listen, church, that's all I'm saying. Thank God you and I don't have to worry about the seals. We don't have to worry about those trumpet judgments. We don't have to worry about those vile judgments. We don't have to worry about the Antichrist. We don't have to worry about all those things that are gonna be unveiled during the, the tribulation period. Why? Because in the rapture of the church, Jesus comes to deliver believers. And so I want to ask you a question. Are you a believer? Are you a Christian? Do you know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved and on your way to heaven? You say, yes, preacher, I know. Well, praise the Lord. I've got great news. You are going to be delivered. Amen. But hang on now. In the rapture, Jesus delivers believers. But listen to this. In the second coming, Jesus judges Unbelievers. Now turn over quickly to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 real quick. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2 and verse number 8. The rapture of the church will will, will have taken place and in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse number 8 the Bible says and then... Then shall that wicked, you notice the, the capital W there. This is talking about a personality. This is talking about none other than, than the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist. And then shall that wicked Be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Look at this, verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. This is all I'm saying. And I I might be preaching to a room full of saved people. I don't know. But I am saying this. If you're here this morning and you're not born again, I'm gonna tell you what I would do. I would run to this altar and I'd come to Christ. Because there is coming a day. When Jesus comes in the second advent, when Jesus comes to this earth to set up his kingdom, he will not come as a savior. He will come as a judge. And the Bible says he will rule. And he will reign with a rod of iron. And so, in the rapture, Jesus delivers believers. In the rapture, uh, in the second coming, Jesus judges unbelievers. Let me give you this real quick, and I I don't think I've got this on the screen. I'm sorry, I do, I do have it on the screen. In the rapture, Jesus comes suddenly and secretly. But that's right, I, I forgot about this. I put this in big, bold letters. In the second coming, Jesus comes publicly and in proclamation. Now look in your Bibles, Revelation chapter one. What's the difference, pastor? These are the same events. No, they're different. In the rapture, Jesus is coming in the air. In the rapture, Jesus is coming suddenly. In the rapture, you and I are caught up into the air to meet him. I don't believe every eye is going to see him. I don't believe that every ear is going to hear him. The Bible says the trumpet of God is going to sound. There's going to be the shout of the archangel. I don't believe that everybody's going to hear the trumpet sound. You say, preacher, if a trumpet sounds and all the church goes to heaven, how could other people not hear the trumpet? And if the shout of the archangel comes and says, come up hither, And the church is snatched away. How could everybody not hear it? Well, in the same way that you're not hearing all the sound that's here today, there are sound waves that are canvassing through this auditorium right now. You don't hear them. There are radio waves that are just bouncing off walls and going through here, and you don't hear them. You know why you don't hear them? You don't have the right receiver. And one of these days when the rapture of the church takes place, you know who's going to hear the trumpet? You know who's going to hear the shout of the archangel? Those that got the right receiver. What's the receiver? The Holy Ghost is the receiver. And so in the rapture though, Jesus comes suddenly and secretly, but in the second coming, Jesus comes publicly and in proclamation. Revelation 1 verse 7, the Bible says, Behold he, this is the glorified Christ, behold he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him, and all uh, kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, John says, even so, amen. During the second coming, Jesus is returning as a conqueror. Jesus is not returning to take part. Jesus is returning to take over. Jesus is coming to rule and reign. And as I said a moment ago, he will be prophet, priest, and king. Now, I gave this little trivia to my kids yesterday and I told them that I would answer this question today. We went up, we took the kids up to Tweetsy yesterday. And we were going around the little petting zoo up there and they had had some burrows. And we were petting the burrows and feeding the burrows. And I said, kids, why was it that Jesus rode into Jerusalem? On a donkey, and really a, a, a foal, a, a colt, really. By the way, I was looking at that donkey, that little burrow yesterday, and I thought, that wouldn't be a very comfortable ride. I need a wider seat than that. That's what I was thinking yesterday. I mean, I looked at that burrow, and I thought, I need a wider seat than that. I, you know, And the Bible says that Jesus rode on the foal of an ass. And Jesus came into Jerusalem that first time. I'll just give you the reference, Matthew 21 and verse number five. Tell you the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, meek, that's the answer right there, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. By the way, that's a, that's a New Testament reference to Zechariah 9.9. 9. In other words, hundreds of years before this happened, it was prophesied to happen that Jesus was gonna ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Somebody says, why, preacher, would somebody like the Son of God come into Jerusalem on a donkey? Are y'all ready for this? Whenever a king came into a city, if he came by way of peace, he came by riding a donkey. When that king would ride into a new city, and the people begin to see him. Here comes the king. Here comes the king. And he rides into the city and he's on a donkey. You know what it said? Hey, everything's all right. He's coming in peace. He's not coming here to stir up war. He's not coming to kill us. He's coming in peace. But I want to remind you of something, Calvary. When Jesus comes in the second advent, he's not coming on a donkey. The Bible says he's coming on a stallion. And I want you to look at that with me, if you will, today. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19 and verse number 11. Revelation 19, verse 11. The Bible says, and I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Listen to me now. This is a wonderful picture right here. Whenever the king would ride into a city on a donkey, it said to the it said to the people, He's coming in peace. But when a king rode into the city on a stallion, you know what that means you better watch out I'm not coming with peace in mind I'm coming in here to take over yes friend you mark her down there's coming a day when Jesus Christ will come back to this earth and the Bible says he'll come back on a stallion and the reason he's coming back on a stallion is because he's coming back with a message I'm coming here to take over I'm coming here to rule I'm coming here to reign and what I say is gonna, is gonna matter. And what I say is gonna be the rule. And so the rapture of the church is coming. Now, I don't have this on your screen. But I wanna close with this and we're done. I want you to understand the rapture of the church is what we call imminent. Imminent. Titus 2.13 says it like this, looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you say, Pastor, what does that mean? It just means this. It could happen at any moment. Did you know, church, we're almost done. Did you know there's not one thing that has to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place? You know what that means? We could make it back here tonight, but we don't have any guarantees. Did you know before this service is done, before you walk out that door, you say, man, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to get out of here. Listen, did you know that before you get out of that back door right there, the rapture of the church may take place? You used to preach, ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Listen, the Bible says when they least expect it. That's when it's going to happen. And so the rapture of the church is imminent, and we're done. Listen to this. The second coming of Christ occurs after certain events. I'll just read this for you. Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Pastor, what do we believe at Calvary Baptist Church? You can go on our website today. And you can look at our statement of faith on our website. And this is what it says. We believe the blessed hope of our Lord's return is literal, personal, visible, imminent, premillennial, and pre-tribulational. Believers will be caught up to be with the Lord prior to the seven years of tribulation. And at the end of the tribulation, Christ will return with his saints to establish his thousand-year reign on the earth. That's what our statement of faith on our website, that's what it says word by word, word for word. And by the way, I believe that. But wait a minute. There's somebody here this morning or somebody watching my way of live streams. I don't believe that. Preacher, I I disagree with you on some of those tribulation issues. Or preacher, I've read some of your books on Revelation and I just want you to know, I don't agree with all that. I don't agree about the seven seals. I don't agree about, you know, some of the trumpet judgments. I don't believe everything that you've taught today. Okay, okay. But I want to tell you something that you better believe he's coming. So we may disagree just a little bit on, on, a, on a tribulation issue or we may disagree just a little bit on a rapture issue or you may disagree just a little bit about how he's coming or when he's coming or, or the trumpet sounding or the trumpet not sounding or uh, if you want to believe that, that's up to you. But I'm just telling you, we can disagree on some of those things but you can mark it down. Jesus said this, I will come again. And so he's coming. He's coming. And so here's my question. Are you ready? Well, I, don't, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with all those points. Okay. But he said himself, I will come again. I don't think anybody can debate that. I will come again. By the way, four times he said that in John 14. I'll come again. If he came... Right now, would you be ready? Interesting story I read I read this week. Listen to this: A young man who was to return home and be married came sooner than was expected. He did not notify his bride to- be of the exact time. he desired to please her with a surprise. He loved her devotedly and had worked hard and saved his earnings. In order to purchase a home for her, it was about midnight when he arrived, but with a happy heart, he felt he must go buy her home. However, when he came near, he saw the house was all lighted up. As he came nearer, he heard music. Still nearer, he saw dancing. Finally, looking through the window, he saw his bride-to-be in the embrace of another man. His heart sank within him, and he went away never to return. If Jesus came today, where would he find his professed bride? Would you be ready? You say, preacher, I'm saved. Wonderful. Are you ready? Was I just said I'm saved? Okay. Wonderful. But if you stood before the King of kings and the Lord of lords today, even if you're saved, are you ready? Are you ready to face him? Are you ready to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I did my best? If Jesus were to come today and snatch us away, would you hear these words, well done, Thou good and faithful servant. I read the story about a about a gardener. My wife and I, one of these days, we want to travel to Europe and see some of these castles. It just looks amazing. And he was the keeper, the 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 um, I don't know what you'd call him. Anyway, he kept the gardens there at this castle over in it's Italy. That's where it was, it was Italy. And they had some visitors that were coming by the castle, and so the gardener had the uh, responsibility of taking this visitor and showing him all around the castle and the castle gardens. And it was just absolutely, it was amazing. I mean, everything was pristine and perfectly manicured. I mean, every bush, every flower, every, it was just perfect. And the visitor sat down to eat with the gardener and his wife, and he said, I, I, I've got to tell you something. He said, man, this is like one of the most amazing places I have ever been, I've never seen anything as first class, as beautiful. Everything's perfect. Listen to this. And then he said to the groundskeeper, he said, how often does your, the owner of the castle, how often does he come? And the garden keeper said, he came 10 years ago. And the visitor said, what? He said he came 10 years ago. He said, you mean it might be years before the owner comes for a visit? And he said, that's right. And he said, then why do you keep this place so immaculate? You know what he said? I'm expecting him today. Are you expecting him today? Are you keeping everything manicured as far as your life, your holiness, your righteousness, your talk, your thoughts? Are you expecting the King of Kings today? Would you do me a favor and bow your heads with me this morning? Father, thank you for reminding us of a truth. You're coming. And God, I believe what I've preached today, I believe what I've preached is biblical. I believe that I have scripture to back it up. I believe that it's it's grounded. But Lord, even if we disagree though with some of the ins and outs or some of the points that I brought today, even if we disagree, we have to agree on this. He's coming. He said that himself. I will come again. I'm coming. Lord, if He came today, help us to be ready. God, help me to be the husband that I am supposed to be. I cannot wait until tomorrow. I've got to be the husband today that I'm supposed to be. Father, I can't wait until a couple months down the road to be the dad that I'm supposed to be or the grandfather that I'm supposed to be because the owner may come any day. Father, I pray that you would work in hearts and Father, just bring this truth home. You're coming, you're coming and we had better be prepared. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Hey, listen, let me ask a question or two. How many are here this morning would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have been born again. There was a time in my life when I accepted Christ as Savior and I know that I've been born again. And if that's you this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed as a testimony to that, would you just do a wave offering to the Lord right now and say, yes, that's me. Hallelujah. Yes. I like doing some wave offerings to the Lord every now and then. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah you can lower your hands. Let me ask you this though. How many are here this morning would say say this. Number one, preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure of heaven. Pastor, I want to go. I want to be there. I don't want to miss this coming. I want to go but I'm not sure I would. And I need you to pray for me today. If that's you, Right now, would you just slip up your hand and let me pray with you right now. Would you just slip up that hand and just sort of wave it at me. Just wave it at me. If there's one like that right now. I see a hand. Is there another? Preacher, it's me. I see another hand. Is there another? Preacher, if I died right now, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up. Is there anybody else? Can I pray with you? Can I pray with you right now? see that little hand thank you thank you very much I see your hand I appreciate that I'm going to pray for you and I see that little hand I'm going to pray for that one hang on now how many are here today though with heads bowed and eyes closed and you'd say pastor I am born again I've already raised my hand about that that rapture took place in the next five seconds, well, I'm not sure if I'd be ready to stand before the Lord of Lords with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking. If that's you right now, would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I'm just not sure I'm ready. You'd slip your hand up. How many like that? Can I pray with you right now? Just raise it, let me pray with you. Preacher, not sure I'm ready. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. Is there another? Anybody else? Hey, Calvary, let's get ready. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And God, thank you for reminding us that you're coming again. You're coming. And God, I pray it's today. Lord, I pray it's today. Lord, I thank you for the blessings that you bestowed upon us. But, oh, Lord, I want to echo what John said. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I pray that you're coming as soon. Lord, if there's one here today, and evidently there are, some have raised their hands, and they're not ready to meet Jesus. Father, I pray that before they leave this place, I pray they'll come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Father, maybe there's a child of God here this morning that needs to rededicate their life to the Lord. Maybe someone has strayed. Maybe someone has has gotten away from the things of the Lord. And today, Lord, they need to come home. I pray that they'd come back to you today. God, have your way in this invitation, please. And Father, we thank thee and we love thee. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.